Hello, and welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about the most electrifying man in sports entertainment so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read The Rock Says by The Rock and Joe Layden. Joining us to discuss this very 90s biography is Trace Dean, an author and comic creator from New York, whose first book, For Your Consideration, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, is out on October 15th. Hello, Trace. Hey, guys. Well, Thanks for having me on the show. I'm so glad you could join us. Uh, not to brag, I read an advanced copy of For Your Consideration, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, oh, and no. I enjoyed it so much. Um, Thank and you very much. I'm very glad. I really did. I think everyone who listens to this show, if you enjoy The Rock as Kate and I do, as is evident in, in every episode of our book podcast, <laughs> <laughs> weirdly, um, I, I think if you uh, appreciate The Rock the way that we do, you will enjoy this book and you should read it. But enough about that because we got to talk about this other book now <laughs> true um which is of course uh the rock you know you may not if you're a younger listener you may not even remember that the rock used to be a professional wrestler uh you may only remember him as as the charming commercially successful actor that we know and love today but you're m- missing out question mark on <laughs> <laughs> on this and so uh, of course he was a professional wrestler a well the most electrifying man in sports entertainment self-styled uh printed on the cover of this book and so this uh is the rocks biography starting from childhood and going up until i would say probably like the peak of his wwe days yeah which is really interesting because obviously like believe it or not the rock does not have a magic crystal ball to see the future um, but I would arguably say at this point in his career, he has achieved much greater heights that yeah. it's so interesting to look back on this biography as a an artifact of like 2001 or whenever it's from. I think even at, Before he had even done half the things that everyone in the world knows him for now. Yeah, it's funny. I think I think the inevitable second biography that's either written about him or autobiography that he writes is going to be so much more like probably legitimately like good and interesting than the rock says which is interesting but maybe not the first thing good (laughs) it was it was more entertaining than i thought it would be yeah Uh, um, I would say entertaining and good are not necessarily the same thing. No, that's yes. absolutely yeah. correct. Um, and that Which is, is that is our motto. Of this show. We are yeah. printing that on t-shirts as we speak. Well, I was just going to say, when um, this came out in uh, Double Check 2000, my younger brother was very into professional wrestling, which in retrospect, I'm not even sure how because we didn't have cable television growing up. So it, yeah. he must have just been watching it at friend's house or just it was so popular and so in the culture. And I think he, and I always liked to read growing up and he was what you might call a reluctant reader. So whenever t- whenever he was sort of interested in something like my parents and grandparents would be like, oh, there's books about that just to try to encourage it. So I think he had a hardback editions of like every professional wrestler's book, like just a stack of them in his room. And so these are around, like he probably has the rock says somewhere or had it before, you know, he moved out. But I, I kind of missed entirely professional wrestling and except in as much as saying like, Oh, that's that dumb thing. My brother likes. Yeah. It's uh it's interesting that you would bring that up. Cause like it, it's, it's not nearly as much of a thing now, despite the fact that pro wrestling is still really popular. But around the time that, like, that The Rock was wrestling, like, the Attitude Era, there really was, like, this whole weird little, like, sub-genre of wrestler biographies and autobiographies. Anyone remotely famous in wrestling had one. Um, and I've read a couple. Um, a lot of them are pretty bad. Um this is definitely, as far as the ones that were ghostwritten goes, like probably one of the best because there's an extent to which, like, despite the fact that he wrote this with a, I don't even know if you'd say ghostwriter because like he's on the cover, like, like this was written in tandem with a professional writer. It definitely still feels kind of like The Rock's voice, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, they're the two best ones that I ever read, and it's hard to say best because they're not super well written, but <laughs> uh, Edge and Mick Foley 
both had uh, autobiographies come out when they were wrestlers that they actually like wrote themselves longhand. Um, they're kind of yeah. like very famously like the two that actually wrote it. And so like the Edge one in particular, that was like my favorite wrestler ever and still is, is um, it's not well written. It's very, but it's, it's so authentically like a guy who's never written telling you about his actually pretty interesting life that it's, it's kind of just endearing. Mick Foley, I believe, is the wrestler who's friends with Tori Amos. Can you confirm that? I that rings a bell. One, yeah, one of them Mick is. Foley's an interesting guy. Yeah. <laughs> I I moved to Long Island a little over two years ago, and I've never seen Mick Foley in public, and it's one of my big gripes about living here. Oh yeah, <laughs> just I thought I, I thought I would see at least Mick Foley, Teresa Caputo, Long Island Medium, yes. and Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister. Mm. I haven't seen any of them. You just you gotta keep it on your vision board and keep um just no, keep focusing. I, I just on see it. New York Mets fans. <laughs> um, the the other little shout out I want to give right now is um, Joe Layden, this ghostwriter. Uh, there's well, there's multiple podcasts that do what we do, but we're we're friendliest with one called I Don't Even Own a Television, and they pretty recently read um, the air quotes biography of of Ace Fraley from Kiss. And that was also ghostwritten oh. by Joe Layden, so he's got he's got quite the little career. But yeah, I, I'm I've thought I've wondered a lot like how lucrative a career in ghostwriting biographies is. I would imagine very like. Yeah, I mean, this was it says it right on the cover, number one New York Times bestseller. So if you're getting a yeah. cut of that, yeah, this book was huge too. I haven't looked up numbers, but like I. I'm pretty sure this book was like massive when it came out, even more so than other like big wrestler biographies. Okay. Um, that said, um, so normally we kind of start the show. Well, we started the show with about five to ten minutes of bullshitting, which we're in the <laughs> middle of right now. And then, hey. <laughs> and then after that, we get into a, a, a plot summary. Usually, um, with biographies, when we do stuff like this, it's a little bit more straightforward. It is the story of of the rock's life up until like we said earlier about the the height of his wrestling career Uh, one thing i'm obsessed with about this book is it's so 90s in terms of its graphic design it has all these like grainy black and white photos but they have they're sort of shaped to resemble the rock's tattoos but in this very like clip art kind of way oh yeah oh yeah i'm looking at them now it's wild and then, of course, there's a color insert in the middle with a few color photos, but mostly it's these tattoo clip art ones. Yeah. The thing that I'm obsessed with about the <laughs> formatting of this book is that, which we'll probably get into more, um, the majority of the book is written from the point of view of, Dr- of Dwayne Johnson telling his own life story. Mm-hmm. But then there are sections that are written by The Rock. Yeah quote-unquote, in a different font, like one of our favorite little bad book tricks. Yep. <laughs> um, with, there's a font shift, and there's, like, a personality shift. Um, and as a person who, again, like, I did also did not know very much about wrestling, except that it came on before something else that I liked to watch. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was X-Men, so I thought it was, but maybe it wasn't on, no. maybe it was on cable. Unless it was, like, repeats of X-Men, because X-Men was on Fox, which is Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that, that is my, my sole connection to wrestling was that I would watch like, you know, three minutes of it when it ran over before whatever show I was waiting to watch. Um, <laughs> and, and seeing this like kind of dichotomy of like actual quote unquote Dwayne Johnson juxtaposed with the rock as a character was really fascinating especially from this kind of like toxic masculinity culture perspective Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um in in the dwayne johnson parts much like um i think the public persona that he projects nowadays as a movie star probably because you know you got those disney connections so you kind of have to um he kind of uh, goes goes to lengths to make it clear that, like, sometimes he lost his temper, sometimes he did dumb things, sometimes he made stupid mistakes, but more or less, you know, he was 
on the up and up and he kept his nose clean and you know he respected women and like you know goofy teenage mistakes aside and you know justice and doing the right thing is important to him and doing right by his family and and that sort of kind of like cozy kinder image compared to the rock who's being the rock who's a heel Yes. It's it's also interesting. So as I mentioned, you know, my brother is very into wrestling and my dad would always like tease him and be like, "Ah, oh, professional wrestling, like that stuff's so fake." And of course, you know, The Rock responds to that in his book and, you know, people talk about how it's fake and to some extent, you know, the results of the matches are predetermined, but they are, you know, they're doing all these stunts and they're doing all this extra work. And I was sort of interested actually and as someone who you know, I've never watched a wrestling match, um, whatever. I was interested to hear, like, all that went into it, and I feel like I gained some respect for the craft of professional wrestling from this book. Yeah, it, the insight it gives is really interesting, and I I grew up kind of tangentially a fan of wrestling. Um, like, I know you kind of mentioned with your brother, like, you know, it was just sort of so ingrained in the culture that even if you didn't watch it, you were probably a fan of, like, The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin. I did become a much bigger fan when I grew up and yeah, the, the, it, I think I appreciate the, the way he depicts the craft of it in here because it, it is, I know kind of the joke is like, you know, Oh, it's not fake. It's predetermined, but like it does kind of feel insulting to refer to what they do is totally fake. Like it's extremely physically demanding and there's no way to fake falling eight feet off a ladder onto your back. Like, yeah, I, I mean, like, if, if you watch, uh, like, a Broadway musical, as I often will, like, <laughs> it's scripted, like, you know how it's going to end, but they still got to mm-hmm. go out there and, like, do their dances and, you know, all of that. And it's maybe more like that, really, than, like, yeah. than, like, football. No, it's very much more like theater than a sport. Um, it's, that's, that's a whole nother conversation. Like, it's, a, it's a really interesting art form, uh, and the way it plays with certain elements of theater, like the fourth wall and suspension of disbelief, is very, very, very interesting. Professional wrestling, actually, the more I learn about it as an adult, I feel like I could get really into professional wrestling, but I just don't have the time to dedicate to it. But <laughs> I, I feel like I could, and I also feel that way about Star Trek, but that's a different issue. I but also feel that way about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's people in spandex like doing unbelievable things. It's the yeah. same. The Rock theory. was on Deep Space Nine too. What? Yeah, The Rock has a cameo on Deep Space Nine. It's one of his first acting roles. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He plays a pro wrestler, but an alien. All right. Well, now I'm into Star Trek. Now you got to watch Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also because of not really having more than like a schoolyard connection to wrestling. Like, I remember that being like a conversation constantly on the schoolyard about whether or not it was fake, and becoming an adult and realizing like oh like it's it's just theater like it's it's theater yeah. like it's not it's not fake but it's also not you know it's not really fighting the way that that it's you know scripted to make us both like their characters yeah. which was not like that it was black and white i guess as as children you know, as a child on the schoolyard who was not very into wrestling, it was like, oh, well, either it's fake or it's real. And it never occurred to me until I was an adult and I understood nuance <laughs> that there was a middle ground. Weird. And, uh, you know, like Renata seeing the the backside, like I feel like a lot of that is probably um, repetitive to people mm-hmm. who know a lot about wrestling, but learning about all of the ins and outs of how a persona is constructed and matches are constructed and rivalries are constructed uh, was really fascinating. Yeah, it's super interesting stuff. I, it's funny, I can't remember who said it, but like the best point of comparison for like how pro wrestling works as a TV show at least is uh, weirdly it's not like theater and it's not a sports. It's like, it's, it's the Muppet show in that you watch the Muppet show and you are, you're seeing the show that they are ostensibly putting on, on stage. And then you're also seeing all of the stuff going on backstage to make that happen. So you watch an episode of wrestling and you'll see a match and then you'll see somebody arguing backstage, like, Oh, I don't want to wrestle him later. And you know, one of the managers being like, well, you've got to, you know, it's for the title and stuff. And you're seeing all of the stuff that goes into making the show happen. It's really interesting. 
I've, yeah. I've also heard it compared to my favorite television show, RuPaul's Drag Race. And I think, yes. you know, in terms of like you have, you know, yourself and then maybe your drag persona and the way that your drag persona interacts with other drag personas, but also a lot of the shows just about getting into costume and all of that. Again, a lot of spandex in both, I think. Yeah. No, wrestling is, it's drag for straight people. Um, yeah. <laughs> No, and whenever I hear things about that, that's what makes me go, I think I could get into this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people who are big fans of both, so yeah, yeah that's totally plausible. Um, let's hit on some of the the more interesting bit. We'll do a, a flyby of Dwayne The Rock Johnson's life and some of the more interesting parts of it before we move on to the dramatic readings and the games and things. Yeah. Um, so. So, so some of this was stuff that I knew just from, like, culturally picking up. You know, I, I knew that The Rock came from a wrestling family, that his father was a wrestler, that his grandfather was a wrestler, uh, that he is uh, half Native Hawaiian and half Black, mm-hmm. and that he traveled a lot uh, as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, like, moved as- around a lot. Yes, yes, moved around, followed his father's career. Yes. We we get to see a little bit about his his puberty and losing his virginity. That was was yikes. Yes. A lot of that stuff I kind of took with a grain of salt. Not because I don't think the rock ever lost his virginity. Um, (laughs) He has children. There is he does. Uh, Or does he? Conspiracy theory. There's a lot of stuff in here that, like, I I love The Rock. Uh, I hope this doesn't come off as disparaging <laughs> towards The Rock. But a lot of this very much came off as a guy being, like, just a heads up. I'm very cool, and I've always been very cool. I had lots of cool sex, and people wanted to be just like me. And, yeah, even when I was a kid, just, like, the specifically the puberty passage where, like, he's, like, I was 14 and she was 18 and I, I, in my head I'm like no that didn't happen um, but like <laughs> but even so it is like awkward or maybe that's like so his, his his reflections on it has added the awkwardness and maybe he did mean it didn't seem cool to me but maybe you're right in that mm-hmm. he did mean it to seem cool I, I yeah I think it, I think it's profoundly uncool to read about uh, but I think it comes from somebody who thinks that he is describing something cool <laughs> Yeah. Um, a couple of things I want to touch on, especially knowing what we know now. Like he talks a lot about not having a lot of money and especially yeah. struggling as a as a Canadian football player and how he didn't make very much money doing that. So now he has his his seven bucks production company, and mm-hmm. it, like that seven bucks number is such a part of his mythology. He doesn't yeah. actually drop that number here. Like, he talks about having, I think in some way he says, like, $10 or, like, a few dollars. He, he says 7 bucks oh, once. It's, and excuse me, he says $7, because okay. 7 bucks has become, like, the so phrase. His, yeah, you know, you can get 7 bucks t-shirts, etc. Yeah. Um, I do think that's, that's, it's really interesting to read this book after following him on Instagram for, like, more than two weeks, because yeah. so much of this book is in his Instagram captions, yes. <laughs> um, which I love. Like, I, you know, again, no disrespect, but like, yeah, the seven bucks stuff and like every, the first third of this book is every fourth Instagram post. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, like how his mother is the strongest person he knows, etc. Yes. Mother's the strongest person he knows, seven bucks in his pocket, battled mental health issues, cut from the Canadian football league, uh, moved around a lot as a kid, uh, evicted from his apartment. Which he didn't touch on in this. He never touched on the eviction. That was the only mm. part of the Instagram mythos that I never noticed <laughs> being brought up. And then the other thing is so much of this is about his love story with Donnie Garcia, who now yeah. they're divorced from, but still still amicable, which is cool, because she sounds awesome. Yeah, she, well, um, I know they like they work together really closely. I yeah, think like, they're she's still like, very close friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, they're... they're Actually, they announced like last week they're putting together a uh, like athletics convention together uh, next year. So, yeah, they're still clearly like very close. Um, but I, I will say, as far as me as someone who like 
professionally knows a lot about The Rock. Um, that was the stuff I was like genuinely kind of the most interested in learning about because that's the stuff that he doesn't talk about today as much as his relationship with Danny. Yeah, and like how her for like years they dated and her parents really disapproved and wanted to cut her out yeah. of the family for for dating The Rock. Can you imagine? Yeah, I had no idea. That was really interesting. I also, I didn't realize they met so young. Yeah, college. So his college years, his his early or his early relationship with Ms. Garcia. Um, and Playing the- football, I that was the thing that I didn't know at all was that he like was big in college football and big in high school football, and then ended up in Canada for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't know. I didn't know very much about The Rock at all, aside from the recurring joke that we tell on our podcast and uh, the section of our podcast newsletter that is dedicated essentially to his Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Before we move on to dramatic readings, does anyone else want to share a, a favorite fact that they learned from this early biography? I think I'm pretty much covered with uh, with the Danny <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, so much of it was new. Some of it was just bizarre. Some (laughs) of it I was like, why did you put this in here? There's this very bizarre anecdote about, like, the night that he signed with his, the college that he went to. And there was a party. The coach got drunk and got a DUI. He got got a DUI after, like, making a joke about like the size of the rocks younger cousin's penis yeah which was just like weird that shit was wild and then never comes up again it's not it is not a uh, chekhov's gun it is just a weird story I wonder if some of this was just the ghostwriter process where it was like they sat down and he was like well let me tell you about my childhood and and Joe yeah. Layden was like yeah I'll I'll include that whatever yeah <laughs> I'm just imagining the rock sitting there telling this story and Joe's like does this come up later and he's like no but put it in there <laughs> that shit was funny <laughs> this is yeah, he tells he tells this joke and then because he's super drunk and then he leaves and he gets a call they get the call from the cops that they he pulled this guy over for a DUI because he was like drunk in a Seven Eleven, mm-hmm. and they and he have peed to, on like... the floor in the Seven Eleven. Yeah, yes. it's it's so weird. Yeah, like you really called your boy out, huh? <laughs> in a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if that's a favorite fact, but there's it's one of many points in the book where I was just like, this is certainly a fact that you have chosen to include <laughs> in this biography. Like, and I know it, and I can't unknow it. And <laughs> again, now millions and millions of people who bought this book when it came out, and the three of us who bought it on Amazon a couple weeks ago, uh, are extremely aware of the fact that it happened. I'm I'm surprised that there's not more, and maybe there are, and I just miss them. But again, I'm also pretty plugged into like what people are saying about the Rock on the internet, and I feel like I would have seen if there was more BuzzFeed articles. There's like ten weird things that were in the Rock's book from 2000. Yeah, that's uh, I might uh, one of us should pitch that to them over the yeah. next week or so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, got to make as much profit from this 99 yeah. cent Amazon investment as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, for me, it was about a buck seventy nine. So mm. I've got a little bit more incentive. I'm 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 in the red here. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, speak, speaking of yeah. which, uh, let's move on to some dramatic red dings. Uh, that's good. That's good. It, it's okay. a pun that works if I write gonna, it down. I didn't know if you were going to stick the landing on that one. I was pretty <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You're like, speaking of which, I was like, what's, what's she about to say? <laughs> Anywho, uh, Tress, you're up first. I'm sorry. I Now I'm fucked up because I'm reading things instead of saying Oh, it's them. fine. Trace... It, is, it is something I'm so desensitized to after 27 years. Like, I, I don't notice. Yeah, but it's I Trace, knew it. But, like, and then I, I just read it in my head. We're going to be okay. Ella. We're going to be fun. We'll move on. Yeah, I'm, you know, The Rock made it through his awkward puberty, and we're going to make it through this. <sighs> I don't know if I'm going to make it through this, because <laughs> I, I am up first, correct? Yes. In the dramatic readings? Please. Please All right, start us so, off. 
Uh, I'm going to be reading a uh, selection from a chapter called The People's Puberty. Uh, I will leave y'all to interpret what what that's in reference to. Um, uh, And uh, just a heads up for any sensitive readers. uh, This is the story about uh, the rock uh, boning for the first time. Uh, So maybe fast forward two minutes uh, if you're uncomfortable, Um, because I sure am. Uh, I've always been attracted to older women, and they've often reciprocated. (laughs) That's one of the benefits of being an early bloomer, I guess. I lost my virginity when I was 14 to an 18-year-old girl named Maria. Maria was not merely an acquaintance or a conquest. She was, at the time, the love of my life. She was the one. Maria was a senior in high school. I was a freshman. As any 14-year-old boy fidgeting awkwardly on the cusp of adulthood can tell you, that's normally a fatal age difference, especially in the cliquish world of high school. But, But Maria was a wonderfully sweet and caring girl, a very innocent girl, and I was, well, I was the man, or so I thought. We were both virgins, but I had convinced Maria that I was not only a really nice, sincere guy, and for the most part I was, but also, as the king might put it, a hunka hunka burnin' love. Mm-hmm. After our relationship had progressed to a certain point, and consummation had become something to seriously consider, I took the lead in negotiations. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I don't mean to sound like a complete asshole about this. I really cared about Maria. We had a long and terrific relationship. All the same, I was a 14-year-old boy who was primarily concerned with getting over for the very first time. That's a weird utilization of pro wrestling lingo, but okay. Um, So I put on a big show for Maria. I hinted frequently at my previous sexual encounters, not to be rude or to make her feel bad, but to give her the impression that I was a true swordsman. (laughs) A teenage Don Juan. Uh, By that time, we had been going out for a few months. Maria was convinced that I held the Hawaiian record for sexual conquests by a 14-year-old. She believed that I had lost my virginity at the age of 10 and that women, not just girls, had been lining up ever since. And I did nothing to dissuade her, far from it. Whenever the topic came up, whenever it seemed as though Maria might be ready to lay down in the tall grass and let me do my stuff, I willingly, eagerly assumed the role she she had assigned to me. Listen, baby, I'd say, don't worry about a thing. I know what I'm doing. I'll take care of everything. You just put your trust in me. Relax. It'll be okay. Christ, I sounded like a Barry White song. You're my first, my last, my everything. Um, we wound up in a public park on a warm summer night with a big Hawaiian moon casting a spotlight on our desperate little dance. That was sweet. Um, <laughs> as we fumbled and groped beneath a blanket, I could feel my heart beating a mile a minute almost as if it were going to leap out of my chest. Maria was a good girl, a serious student, and a thoughtful young woman who hadn't given herself to anyone before. Now here she was, entangled with a high school freshman who was trying with all his might not to blow his cover, among other things. Wow. Um, Just uh, take it easy, baby. Thump, thump, thump. Let me know if you're scared and I'll slow down. Thump, thump, thump. Trust me. Trust me. When the sky suddenly lit up, I thought at first that maybe it was some sort of orgasmic flash, a beautiful and illuminating post-coital <laughs> rush, like the fireworks you see in cheesy romantic movies. No such luck. The patrol car had sneaked up on us while we were fully engaged and therefore totally oblivious to our surroundings. That, of course, is one of the dangers of making love in a public space, the possibility that you'll be interrupted, exposed, humiliated. It's also one of the things that makes it exciting. Although I'm not sure that played into our thinking at all. The fact is, when you're in high school, especially when you're not even old enough to drive, your options are limited. <laughs> I think that's probably good. I can't make it any further. Yeah, that was a very valiant effort. Thanks. Um, so I'm going to confess something, which is that when I uh, read this book, I got to that section and made it a few paragraphs in, realized what was about to happen, and skipped forward a few pages because I could not bear doing it so i was experiencing a lot of that for the first time um and i didn't want to like not do my due diligence for the podcast but i also was like i cannot read this like i i appreciate um, that sacrifice and uh yeah it's awkward oh it's real rough it's real weird the we were just talking about how there are so many things that are very clearly like 
him trying to come off as cool. And that first line where he's like, I was, you know, older women were always attracted to me. I was like, sure, rock. Sure. <laughs> I believe you. Um, yeah. Uh, this, yeah. Of all the black and white grainy photos, this does not include that famous uh, fanny pack picture. Hmm. <sighs> I feel like I feel like maybe he, as he's gotten older, he's come more to terms with what an what an awkward adolescence he actually had. I think he probably has, yeah. And that's but healthy. at this at this point, he's not too far removed from it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's uh, the story of the Rock fucking for the first time. <laughs> um, uh, let's let's have a time jump now. All right. All right. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit about uh, when when The Rock first started wrestling, he was wrestling under the name Rocky Maivia, which yes. was a mishmash of his father's first name, or first wrestling name at least, and his uh, grandfather's last name. Yes. And so this is the moment when... Uh, he was he was poised to change his uh, his image. Mm-hmm. Over the course of the next few months, Rocky Mavia became the hottest heel in the company. The die Rocky die science multiplied. Rocky sucks became almost an anthem to World Wrestling Federation fans everywhere, and I loved it. At last, I had found my calling. I went out every night and happily absorbed the venom that was spewed in my direction. I still wasn't getting a lot of interview time, but I was confident that would change. I was just waiting for the opportunity. The pivotal moment came in December of 1997. Stone Cold Steve Austin, who had taken the Intercontinental title from Owen Hart at the Survivor Series in November, had just come back from a neck injury. Now he was in the ring cutting a promo. And as he was talking, in strutted Rocky Mavia. The greatest rivalry in World Wrestling Federation history was about to begin. I hate to rain on your little victory parade, I said, but I just want to come out here and make a special note. And that note is this. Everybody knows that when I was World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion, I was the best damn Intercontinental Champion there ever was. Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'm challenging you for the Intercontinental Championship. And if you have any manhood at all, you'll accept my challenge. One of Steve's trademark lines was, that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. So, as the go-home line to my promo, I said, and if you do accept my challenge, then your bottom line will stay, Stone Cold has been compliments of the rock and that was it with that single promo and that go home line rocky maybe it became the rock an outrageously arrogant self-centered but undeniably talented wrestler who couldn't care less what other people thought and who always always spoke in the third person no one had ever attempted that before but i was eager to give it a try i saw the rock as an extension of my own personality. He was bombastic, funny, cocky, but at his core, he was an athlete with sound technical skills. He loved wrestling. He loved sports entertainment. The Rock was Dwayne Johnson with the volume turned way up. And way up is in The Rock's font, whereas the rest of that uh, selection was in uh, Dwayne Johnson's font, mm-hmm. signaling that the next few chapters are from The Rock's perspective. Yep. I liked your uh, your little Freudian slip where you said uh, Dwayne Jock. Um, <laughs> yes. I was like, that is what he is. Um, yep. <sighs> Also, World Wrestling Federation is a thing that they probably had to yell all the time. And that's oh, yeah. kind of a tongue twister. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Excuse me. I'm mm, left and right. Yeah. It left and right. <laughs> it's a tough one. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why they, that's why they pay them the big bucks. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I believe... Renata has a very interesting selection. Yes. <laughs> so speaking of The Rock, um, 
this is an excerpt from very near the end when, and I googled this to see if I could find more of an explanation for why this happened. Like, oh, were they friends or something? Uh, no, there's no, I couldn't find any explanation more than what I'm about to read to you. And um, I'm just going to start and, and Kate will have a part to play as well. And that will become clear as I get into this. March 29th, 1998, Boston, Massachusetts. Everybody loves WrestleMania, right? It's the biggest show of the year, and it draws people from all walks of life, from the brightest of stars to the dimmest of bulbs. And this year, they're all here to see The Rock. Before his Intercontinental Championship match against Ken Shamrock, The Rock receives an interview request from none other than Jennifer Flowers, one-time side dish of the People's President William Jefferson Clinton. Essentially, Jennifer wants a piece of The Rock. She wants a big piece of The Rock, if you smell what The Rock is cooking. And you can't blame her one bit, because after all, The Rock is the one who told Bill, Hey, listen, man, you can't be silly. You gotta cover your willy. Now, whether old Bill listened to The Rock, well, that's another story. The point is, Jennifer and The Rock go back a bit. But do they, though? So The Rock feels something of an obligation to grant her request and conduct the people's interview in front of the millions and the millions of The Rock's fans. And so Kate, Kate will be reading as Jennifer. I'm here with the Intercontinental Champion. Whoa, actually, Jenny, it's the People's Intercontinental Champion? Excuse me. The People's Intercontinental Champion, The Rock. Now, Rock... The people want to know, if you were the leader of this country, how would you run things? Well, actually, Jenny, The Rock feels like this. First and foremost, the term leader is really beneath The Rock. The Rock feels like a more appropriate term would be ruler. Okay. If you were the ruler, how would you handle the homeless situation? I'll tell you what, Jenny, that's a touchy subject for The Rock, the homeless situation in America. The Rock feels like this. As long as The Rock still has his palatial palace down in South Beach in Miami, Florida, he really couldn't give a damn whether they live in a Frigidaire box or a Kenmore box. As long as those homeless pieces of trash keep their cardboard boxes off of The Rock's freshly mowed grass, everything will be copacetic. <laughs> <laughs> um, this well, is serious. This is my platform. <laughs> well, how about the judicial system? Well, first and foremost, as long as all The Rock's fans across the country realize that The Rock is the judge and the jury, everything should be fine. Actually, after The Rock has contemplated that for a second, if The Rock were the jury, nine times out of ten, he'd be a hung jury. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. (laughs) How would you run the White House? Tough job, tough question. But The Rock, of course, is up to answering it. The Rock feels like this. As long as all the interns in the White House beneath The Rock knew their damn role and they didn't get out of hand, step out of line, and they didn't do anything orally wrong, excuse me, Jenny, morally <laughs> wrong, then the this has not aged well, uh, then The Rock mm-hmm. wouldn't have to do what he does best, and that's lay the smack down in a major way. Thank you very much, Jenny. Can you wow. can you imagine? So wow. that was that was cool and <laughs> funny and I loved it. I love the rock. Um, uh, anyway, I had a book coming out. I don't know if I do any more after that. Um, I just <laughs> no, 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 be like, no, no, no. Your book's, no. About, your book's about Dwayne Johnson and Dwayne Jock, Dwayne jo- Jackson. We're all doing it. Dwayne the Jock Ronson. <laughs> <laughs> this guy would never. Only the Rock. Only the Rock would. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, God, the uh, orally wrong is uh, extraordinary writing. Honestly, I, I can't pretend it's not a really good line. <laughs> Just in very bad taste. Uh, yeah, you know, and and I mean, nineteen ninety eight. Like everyone. Everyone was being so shitty to Monica Lewinsky then, and I feel like it's only really yeah. been in the last few years even that people are like, "Oh, wait a second!" Like she was, she was a young intern in this. She's as well. a child. Maybe, yeah. maybe the president was bad. Maybe the president <laughs> was bad. Yeah. yeah. So I, which I is do... weird because most presidents are great. Most like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah. Can't think of any that have done anything bad over the last, uh, how old is America? That many years? <laughs> yeah, no, they've all been great. Mm-hmm. Love them. Uh-huh. Love the presidents. Yeah, so I, I just think, you know, with that context, like, this I don't think would have been so egregious in 1998. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, you are correct, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying it was cool, but just... You know, every you know every late night show, everybody was doing it. Even yeah, whatever. Even, yeah. even cool guys like The Rock. Even cool guys like The Rock. Yeah, uh, I do want to throw in just one last super quick bonus dramatic reading, which is The Rock's mm-hmm. author biography in the back of the book. Oh, it's so good! It's so good. In addition to his home in Miami, where he lives with his wife Danny, The Rock has a permanent suite at Smackdown Hotel on the corner of Know Your Role Boulevard and Jabroni Drive. He is the youngest champion in World Wrestling Federation history. <laughs> wow. Kind of says it all. Yep. Meanwhile, He's nothing if not concise. Meanwhile, Joe Layden is a freelance magazine writer and the author of several books, including All the Rage with Charles Haley. He lives in upstate New York. Not at the Good SmackDown Hotel. Poor Joe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's play. Let's play a quick round of Would You Rather. Let's All do right. it. Would you rather watch a Canadian football game or a local pro wrestling match? I, I'm gonna say I'm jumping in this year. I'm getting into wrestling. I'm gonna. Yeah, it. let's do it. <laughs> um. So I I would absolutely rather go to a local wrestling match on the count of the fact that local wrestling matches can be super dope. Uh, football is bad, um, and Canadian football is even worse. Um, it's I, I it's funny like over the last year or so I've learned what football is in different countries and like it's soccer in some then there's like Irish and Gaelic football which is like a whole different sport. And then there's, like, rugby in New Zealand. And, like, we really do have the worst version of football. The only worst one is Canadian football. Really? What? Okay. Yeah. What makes it worse? Um, well, I, Gaelic football doesn't resemble our football at all. It's like a handball game. Um, it's, like, somewhere between – I don't know if you ever played it in, like, gym class in high school or anything. But it's, like, soccer, but you can also throw it. And it's insane. Hmm. Rugby – is so much better it's football but they don't stop and it's fast and also it's not politically abhorrent um and then football in europe is soccer which is great um and but, then, what, yeah, but canadian... what makes canadian worse oh they've just got more rules i think they even mentioned here there's like a three downs instead of four so and then there's like some weird technical stuff and also they just don't have a really good roster of players like it's just slightly worse at least the ones in america are like the best at the bad game they play. All right, I'll take it. Sorry, um, I'm sorry, fellow football fans. <laughs> I don't sorry. think they're listening to our podcast. To be honest, okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I also would much rather watch a local pro wrestling match than a Canadian football game. One, football's boring and bad, and two, as I said earlier, I'm discovering that wrestling shares many things in common with things that I actually like. So why not yeah. give it a roll? Yeah. Yeah. Also, local pro wrestling, you're a lot more likely to see like a dude who works at Office Max jump through a table, and you're not going to get that watching CFL. All right, Kate, this is the year we're getting into wrestling. I'm putting it on your calendar. I believe in y'all. I believe in (laughs) y'all. All right. uh, How about? Would you rather eat a cheat day sushi and cookies meal with The Rock, or eat at Steaks and Cakes with The Rock? Um, Trace, let me quickly explain to you that Steaks and Cakes is the fictional restaurant. In the movie Christian Mingle, which we watched for a podcast for reasons not worth getting into. Anyway, this is a fictional restaurant that serves you only entire cakes and steaks, and it that's all they have. That does sound super dope, and uh, <laughs> you know, I have no context for Christian Mingle, although I've got a feeling the title isn't all that deceiving. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go steaks and cakes only because, like, due respect to Dwayne, um, I love sushi, and I, the cookies he makes look amazing. That is a really weird combo to mm-hmm. me, and somehow steak and cake seems a little bit more like, um, I don't know, just like a little bit more palatable in quick succession. I mean, because it rhymes. True, true. Very true. 
Uh, I'm definitely going with Steaks and Cakes as the fictional sponsor of this podcast. Uh, I am very loyal to them, and, you know, I can always attack a steak and or a cake. Yeah. And you know what? It's honestly shocking to me that we haven't yet seen an Instagram video just of of Dwayne eating a steak and a cake. Like, it really does seem yeah. more like his brand than the sushi and cookies somehow, even though that's actually what he likes to eat. You'd think so, yeah. Yeah, seems... Uh, yeah, and like I said, the sushi and cookies look great. It's just a weird combination. Yeah. Yeah. All right, All right well, good game. Um, we'll move on to readers. Game, everyone. <laughs> well played. We'll shake hands and have our orange slices. Yeah. And steaks and cakes. <laughs> uh, okay, reader's advisory, where we suggest some stuff to read instead of or in addition to this book. Um, and I mean, the truest read like would be all the other '90s, 2000s wrestling biographies out there. But if you're actually interested, you probably did already read those. So yeah, instead, sure. you should read for your consideration, Dwayne the Rock Johnson by Tristan. Yeah. What? <laughs> no, I'm uncomfortable. I'm st- I'm still working myself into a place where I'm like comfortable ta- like with people talking about this in uh, any capacity. <laughs> uh, no, you should read it. You should buy it. You should pre-order from your local independent bookstore. Um, yes, please. Or from Amazon if you must, and if you must, use our referral link from worstbestsellers.com. Um, but really, hey. <laughs> whatever, whatever works. Um, the Four yeah. Consideration series, um, it seems really fun. I, I also read an advanced copy of the Keanu Reeves one, um, yeah. which, which was also really fun. Although, of course, not as fun as the Dwayne The Rock Johnson one, obviously. Oh, it's not a competition. <laughs> also, theirs is really fun. <laughs> I like it a lot. We we basically developed those books like alongside each other, and it was like I don't know, it was, it was a team effort. Like I'm really excited to read that one. Yeah, uh, it's it's great. It's a lot of fun. They've yeah. Been... Um, finally, my only other recommendation is just the Netflix show Glow about, yes. about ladies wrestling in the eighties. It's a really fun mm-hmm. show, and it, and I guess that combined with this book has com- combined to form all that I know about wrestling. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> Glow is perfect. The wrestling in it's very good. Uh, I'm still making my way through season three slowly. Uh, my girlfriend and I watched episode eight last night. Um, that show's perfect. Like I, I love Glow. I sincerely like it's one of my favorite shows on TV right now. Yay! Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to give a shout out to Trace? Um. Uh. Follow me on Twitter. Because uh, if I have more Twitter followers, people will pay me more the next time I write a book. Um, mm. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. I'm, I'm Trace Right Stuff on Twitter, just all one word: T R E S Right Stuff. Um, I do. I know I have to. I have to go pretty soon. I, I am. When we were preparing for the show, you talked at length about a game that you guys play involving Wolverine and The Rock. Yes. I do want to play that. I, yes. I'm breaking my. I need to be done in an hour rule. Yes. Okay. We... Lay that out for me. <laughs> so here's the thing: is our game that we play is called the Rock Paper Snicked, and the point of this game is we say, um, well, Kate says who the Rock would be if he were in the book, and I say who Wolverine would be if he were in the book, and it's basically like we write a little mini fan fiction, and say like, oh, well, if Wolverine were in Twilight, he'd be the gym teacher at Bella's school, or like whatever. Right. Obviously, um, yeah. Obviously, he'd be great at it. Um, yeah. But uh, in this case, we sort of debated about how we wanted to handle this because obviously The Rock is already in this book at length. We did an X-Men book and we handled it because Wolverine has clones and so we just put his clone Laura in the book. Unfortunately, there is only one The Rock. So we decided instead we're going to flip it and play just a game that we're calling um, The Rock, The Rock. Okay. Uh, and so we're just gonna mix it up a little bit because in your book, for your consideration, uh, uh-huh. you went through all the times that The Rock has Dwayne Johnson has played himself on TV, and so right. we're just going to go into uh, quickly describe our dream cameo that what we would most like to see Dwayne Johnson play himself in, and you can pick your favorite. All right. Cool. So we're sort of leaving Wolverine to the side, unfortunately, although it it does hurt me to do so. It hurts me to do so too. I'm a big Wolverine fan. Um, yeah. I think uh, if Wolverine were the star of Skyscraper, it would be a better movie. Uh, and I, that's just where I'll leave that. You know, because he could use his claws to like climb with. For climbing. He could. He could use his claws to climb with. Also, that movie's just like kind of bad. And I think yeah. it'd be more interesting if Wolverine were in it. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. But TV shows he should appear as himself in. 
Yes. Um, And, you know, if I can include Wolverine in mine as well, because I am I'm always down to add Wolverine. So my my dream um, would be I don't know if you watch the show Riverdale, but I I watch Riverdale. Okay, so you know how Archie and Veronica own a boxing ring now. Uh, yes, they do. Time. Yes, they do. So, of course, Which is, that is a cool and normal show where realistic things happen every yeah. week. Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, just to you know, this comes quite easily. Just to uh, to hype up the new boxing gym. Of course, they would arrange for for The Rock to come and do some kind of like I don't know guest fight against Archie, probably. Oh my god! Um, and uh, and Wolverine would be there as well. I think Wolverine honestly already is in Riverdale just because it's so uh, it's so maple syrup. It's so Canadian. Like he's got to be just lurking around town at all times, just sort of like aware of these borderline Canadian crimes occurring. And so yeah. I think he would probably be like lured out of the woods to come to come watch the Rock fight. Um, and then afterwards, I think I think they would go on a date to Pops, and they would like share share a chocolate shake with two straws. But then, yeah. because they're both such like large, hungry men, they would actually just have to keep. They would go through like five five shakes, but yeah, shared agree. shared with two um, straws. First of all, I do appreciate a point you just made, which is that for a show that is ostensibly supposed to be about like the rot in the center of small town America. That sure is the most Canadian show in every conceivable way I've seen <laughs> in a really long time. Um, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I'm going to double up uh, because on a realistic note and like a version I think could actually like conceivably happen maybe. Um, I know I read, I read in the book about how it's not technically him playing himself, but The Rock played his dad in that 70s show as a pro wrestler. Yes. And I think it would be really cool if he played Rocky Johnson on an episode of glow. Yes. Um, and I, I don't know if it's realistic, but that is like, that would make sense and be like a cool thing to happen in the universe of that show. Um, the fun answer is I think he should play himself on my hero academia. <laughs> um, I think he fits right in. Um, and that's, that's it. That's all. That's all I have to say. The rock should be on my hero academia as the rock. Yes. Kate, what have you got? Um, so I think that I would like to see The Rock in an episode of Gravity Falls. Yeah. Uh, it could yeah. be like, you know, the whole town's like obsessed with wrestling all of a sudden and Uncle Grunkle Stan is trying to make some money like hosting like bootleg wrestling matches in competition with the wrestling matches in town. And uh, The Rock would probably, I know we said playing himself, but he'd probably play like some sort of parody of himself with maybe not actually The Rock's name. He would be like called The Stone or something like that. Um, Very obviously modeled on him. Um, And I'm sure we could find somewhere in the B plot to stick Wolverine in there as well, perhaps uh, something about the mystery they're trying to solve in this episode involves going out into the woods and finding a cave where Wolverine lives. Because uh, Wolverine definitely has hung out with the Manator before. So, yeah, that would be... I would do an episode of Gravity Falls with The Rock. Dope. I'd watch it. Uh, yeah, I... Okay, so I feel like since we've kind of thrown the rules out the window, I think we should just say that we've all won... And especially The Rock has won for coming yes. so far from the nineties. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He has so much money now. It's oh. <laughs> it's astounding. So um, much money, so much tequila, so much pancakes, just everything. So much money. Uh so many children also. So, so many children. Um, like a lot. Um yeah, a lot of houses. Um yeah, he's just I again, so much money. He's a very rich man and he deserves it. Yeah. Um and I love him, and I want him to adopt me. Yeah, what's, what's one more child to The Rock? Nothing. I, yeah, I'm also fully grown. Like, I'm not that much trouble. I just, I, you know, I want The Rock to be my dad. Don't, don't my real know. dad's super cool. It's no disrespect to him. I just think he'd be, like, a really good second dad. Yeah, you can never have too many dads. <laughs> That's what I always say. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Um, All right. Well, um, I, I know you have another uh, other stuff to do. So we'll let you go, Trace. Um, thank you again for joining us. You should definitely yeah, follow him on guys. Twitter at TraceWritesStuff. And I think after um, after you abandon us, Kate and I will wrap up with our last few little bits because because um, we we will have some listeners who are going to miss Dory Day's Corner if we just fully stop. So Don't deprive them. Thank yes, you so much for but, having me, by yes, the way. I really you. appreciate it. Thank you so it. much for and joining I'm us. This was so great. sorry I couldn't I couldn't stay on like the whole time. But yeah, Absolutely. I really yeah, I appreciate you're, it. You're a, you're a busy fellow and we really appreciate your wrestling expertise and we'll we'll see you around the internet. Awesome. Yes, see you around the internet. You. Thank you so much, guys. All right, bye. Bye. <sighs> All right. It's now that now that it's just you and I and Duarte Kate. What's your candy pairing? Um, so my candy pairing is kind of a throwback. Um, it is the WWF Superstars ice cream bars uh, because much like this book, it was an in- they were an intense marketing gimmick that I didn't like entirely get, but the end product wasn't terrible. And I should note, as relevant to this show, they were basically the same ice cream bar as the X-Men ice cream bars. Um, Just instead of an X-Man on the cookie, it was a wrestler. So, yes. Yeah. Um, Well, mine would be uh, the margarita-flavored Jelly Bellies. Um, because, you know, it actually didn't come up as much in this book, but I just know from his Instagram how much The Rock loves tequila. And so there's this connection. But also the margarita Jelly Bellies, I think, are very good, and I like them. Excellent. Uh, What about... The moral of the story. Um, I think the moral of the story for me is just to know your role, which um, I think for The Rock, it means know that your role is to one day become a much more like charming and interesting person than your your professional wrestling um, persona might lead someone to think otherwise. Yeah. Uh, good that you picked up on that. It w- I thought it was very subtle the way that it was at the end of every chapter in a weird scribbly font. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I think that uh, my moral of the story would be that it's amazing what a corporate makeover can do for you. Yes. Uh, getting this glimpse into the rock's life pre my awareness of him was very interesting. And uh, ever since he started getting those Disney roles, you know, he, he's become a kindler, gentler rock. And thank goodness. All right, now, of course, real quick time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will share his thoughts about the book. <coughs> Duarte, you're right. I think I think The Rock probably really is really good at petting animals. I think he, you know, he's got, like, big, strong hands. I think he would give you a really good pet. Yeah, I I think that, you know, that that's something to maybe, you know, if you, if you ever get that blog set up, get some press credentials, get out there, see what you can do. You never know until you try, Duarte. Yeah, put yourself out there. Oh, my God. I just remembered, though. Do you remember when the rock's dog drowned in the pool? I do remember that. Oh, sorry to bring that. That was sad. <laughs> I was really sad. I just, I was thinking like, oh, the rock should have like big dogs. And I was like, oh no, he had the little dog and it drowned. Um, <laughs> um, but you, I would never let that happen to you, Dorte. Also, I'm pretty sure you can swim. So you're fine, probably. Also, you don't have a pool. I don't have a pool. Well, I'm just saying in this sort of like fantasy where Dorte's going to meet the rock, maybe it's at the rock's house. Maybe, oh, right, right, right. You know. I'm just I'm just trying to reassure Duarte that yeah, I won't yeah. let him drown. <laughs> uh, okay, that, that's enough of that. Uh, what are what else are our closing thoughts, y'all? Um, this was it was interesting. It really, you know, I feel like, you know, like I said before, um, it was a really interesting look into the dichotomy of the role that The Rock played versus the the, the role the role that he knows. The role that he knows, the role that he knows that he played <laughs> in the wrestling. Um, and, you know, as a person who wasn't quite sure all the ins and outs of how that worked and that functioned, it was interesting, but also uh, in juxtaposition with how he presents himself publicly now uh, and the lengths that he goes to to portray like a more uh, gentle, understanding, sensitive, compassionate public figure. And I mean, I say that as if, you know, I think he's faking it. But honestly, 
I think he was know, faking we, it to be the rock. Yeah, more. but like, you know, even even outside of like public persona, you know, we know that he recently visited Hawaii to help uh, to protest to stand, the, the science um, the telescope, yeah, um, with the other to stand with the other native Hawaiians. Um, and I think he diverted some of the Hobbs and Shaw press there even. Yeah. Yeah, I so, think he's someone know. who's, like, as he gets more, um, I, not quite responsibility, there's a word for what I'm looking for, as he gets more of this concept that I can't quite think of the word for, like, he's using it responsibly, and, you know, who among us, who among us didn't say whack things in the 90s? Yeah. Probably some people, probably some people never said anything whack, but, but I did, probably. Oh, I definitely did, I know. Yeah, it's probably still on live journal. <laughs> gotta go delete that. Um, Not live journal, those were the blog days. Oh my god. Uh, uh, you can follow us on Facebook. <laughs> Abort missions, not talking about our 90s blogs. Uh, follow us on Facebook now or facebook.com slash worst bestsellers. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter where we're at worst bestseller with no S um, because the S. Um, I didn't prepare for this. Give me one second. <laughs> You should have known your role, Renata. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> um, the S didn't. The S did not know its role, and it was fired from the Canadian Football League, and it didn't. It had to come home with only seven dollars in its pocket. It was really sad for it. <laughs> uh, boy, we also have a Goodreads group, which is best access by going to Goodreads.com. Nope. Nope. <laughs> You can get there. You can do it. But it's hard. Their search is not very good. It's best accessed by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the Goodreads link. Guys, I just want to clarify. I haven't been drinking. It's just been like a really long day. And I'm losing it. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, acquired, not sold. I say that all the time. One day I'll learn to stop saying sold. <laughs> um, if you do subscribe to us any of those places, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it moves us up a little bit on the charts, and it makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review us, then we're going to have to, I don't know, like turn you into the heel of this podcast, podcast listener uh, relationship and you know it'll be probably kind of a pain in the ass for you yeah you'll have to do rebranding you'll have to get a new outfit probably yeah it'll it'll just be it, it honestly you'll save a lot of time by just reading and reviewing us mm-hmm. um you can also pledge to us on patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers uh, Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like pay our editor, buy new equipment, commission artists to make us smirch. And in return, you get all sorts of perks like the podcast newsletter I mentioned earlier and uh, all sorts of other things. You can find out more by going to patreon.com slash bestsellers. Uh, the merch that I mentioned, you can get by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch. Uh, we have all sorts of designs and things in there, including a great rock, paper, snicked logo that was created for us by, by Paola, Paola Harris. And it is wonderful and you can get it on all sorts of things and you should go over and, uh, pick up some items to wear on your body. Um, finally, as you've gathered, uh, Trace had other commitments and how to hop off of our recording just a little tiny bit early, but you should still follow him on Twitter. He's at Trace, which is spelled T-R-E-S, right stuff. Um, and if I didn't mention it before, and I'm quite sure that I did, you should also, uh, acquire and read his book for your consideration, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. It, it really is just a really fun look at The Rock's career, and it's got, like, a fun, um, like quiz in it that you can take to find out which The Rock character should be your prom date. Um, I got the Central Intelligence one, whose name I'm forgetting right now. But anyway, it's a lot of, it's it's truly a fun book. 
truly, you can trust me, I'm a librarian. Yes. Um, and we'll be back in two weeks with um, Dark Angel by V.C. Andrews. So, so that'll be cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll see, see, well, we won't see you then. We can't see you, nor can you see us, but you'll hear us then. You'll hear us then. We'll we'll sense your presence. It's true. We'll feel you like a dark angel hovering around us. <laughs> oh, this this got so weird, and I don't even know why. <laughs> because we're very tired. <laughs> oh boy, that'll do it. All right. Um, thank you again to Trace for joining us for you know ninety five percent of this podcast, and thanks to you for if you've made it this far, listening to one hundred percent of our podcast. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.